Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. But the word is clear that it helps us in every situation, no matter what we are going through. And one of those areas that all of us face are trials. And I'm sure that everybody in this room could, could attest that trials happen on a regular basis. They could be trials in your own personal life, in your physical life, in your emotional life, relationships. But trials happen. Has anybody experienced trials lately? None of us are immune to trials. But I got really good news. That God has made it very clear in his word how we can walk through trials and be successful. And we can make it through the trial and not feel like we've lost everything. To where actually we can see the purposes of God manifest in our lives even though we're struggling and going through various situations. So I'm encouraged that the word gives us a roadmap on how to walk out various trials and struggles that we can go through. And I hope today it's encouraging to you and kind of gives you some tools to know when you're facing various trials, trials are not to last forever. If it's in a state of continuum where you're always experiencing a certain trial, there is to be an expiration date on that trial. Because it is to establish, confirm, and and to solidify things in your life when the trial is done. The Lord is not going to, he doesn't want you to be exasperated in going through various trials. So it's good to know that there is an expiration date on trials. But we need to walk it out God's way. We need to walk it out the way that he tells us so that we can come through it and he being exalted in the midst of every trial that we go through. So I want you to turn with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to start at verse 5. 1 Peter 5 verse 5. It says, You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, And be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. The first thing that I want to really look at is we're um, kind of getting the instructions on how to walk out various trials is the first thing that we need to remember is the posture of our hearts. 
We need to make sure that the posture of our hearts is correct when we are facing and entering in to any trial. What I mean by that is really the attitude of your heart, how you're responding to the trial that is upon you. This is critical that your heart is postured correctly so that you're going to be positioned to be able to walk through this with the Lord's help. But the scripture first starts out with younger men likewise be subject to your elders, which really means be supportive towards them. Be teachable. Receive instruction. You know, there can be, and I, I, I've done it myself and in my younger age, where I kind of think I know what to do. Yeah, 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 Dad. I, I got it. Trust me, I'm okay. I got it, Dad. And, and we know, or we think we know, how to handle a certain situation or how to walk something out. But in that, the Lord is saying for those that are younger to just glean from the wisdom and the experience that those that are your elders in your midst have gone through life. You know, I mean, they've had some knocks and bruises and they've learned some things. And it's always important to say, you know what? Teach me what you know. Tell me how to watch out for myself in these situations. So draw upon them as best you can. And then it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. Remember, it says, all of you. This isn't just for the young. It's now saying, shifting gears, and he's saying, now, all of you clothe yourself in humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I love what the, uh, the Passion Translation says. It says, in every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. Don't you love the imagery there? We're serving one another. We're considering the other person more highly than we do ourselves. We realize that in some ways we really need each other. So in that, we're humbling ourselves and being humble towards each other realizing that none of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. There's only one that's perfect. We're all a work in process. And so in that, having an attitude of humility, even towards those that are a little bit challenging. I mean, those that might not think like you, act like you, walk like you. Those that are just difficult to be around, the Lord is saying, be humble. Be tender. Be available. But Jesus demonstrated what a humble servant looked like because on the night before his betrayal in John 13, 5, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And then verse 12, it says, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. 
It's very humbling. Even consider washing somebody else's feet. But you know, in that, you are ministering to their heart because they're weary, they're tired. And you're able to be that agent of refreshment and encouragement to one another. You know, we're really, in many ways, at times, we're to offer our strength to one another. And I'll never forget um, when I had to go through a kidney biopsy when my kidneys um, failed almost four years ago. Um, And I had to go into the hospital and I had to go through a lot of uh, testing and then it came to the point where they had to do a biopsy on my kidney. And if any of you know me, I don't do real well around needles. I, 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 I really, I, it's, the Lord's gonna have to help me, but it's just not an area of strength of mine. I'll just say it like that. So my good friend, Sam Boatwright, was with me. And he could see, he could tell. I mean, obviously, I'm laying on the table and I'm just shaking. <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous and I'm like, I don't like this. And I have a nurse on the other side holding my hand over here. And I'm starting to cry. Why am I starting to cry? You know, and I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in a vulnerable and weak moment. But you know, Sam just grabbed hold of my hand and he looked at me in the eye and he says, you got this. You got this. You're gonna make it through it. And I could literally feel the strength coming into my spirit. And I could tell that my spirit man was being encouraged because he was extending strength to me. He was giving me strength at a very weak and and vulnerable moment. But he said, you got this thing. And so, you know, yeah, okay, I got it, you know. But I I mean, I, I could feel it enter into my body. But that's what we're to be for one another. We're to be, come alongside each other and be there for each other with a humble heart. But you know what? It's a frightening thing to realize that God can actually oppose you. Really think about that. I mean, that's not a real happy day, is it? I mean, let's look at this. You have the devil bringing a trial into your life and at the same time, you have God opposing you. That's not a real good day, guys. You got the devil bringing a trial and you got God opposing you at the same time. But the only reason that God would oppose anyone is because of pride. He's not rejecting you. He's just not releasing the abundant favor that he wants to lavish on your life. He is withholding his favor momentarily because you're walking in pride. And you know, I don't know if I don't know if we really recognize a lot of times when we're walking in pride. It's not really easy to identify pride. I mean, if we would know when we are in pride, we obviously wouldn't be falling, right? Because scripture says pride comes before the fall. So in that, if we knew we were getting ready to fall, I'm sure we'd think, whew, I'm in pride. I better watch out. So it's a lot of times it's, it's deceptive. We don't realize it. But pride in one's heart 
tends to want to exalt yourself. It wants, through your self-effort, realizing that through the works of my own hands, some, in some way, I'm getting this done. I'm pulling up my bootstraps. I'm tightening my belt. If anything's going to get done, moi's going to do it. So in that, when pride begins to set in the heart, it's something that God just cannot bless. He's not going to bless self-effort, which can lead to self-exaltation. So how we position our hearts at this moment is so crucial. How we posture our hearts. Because at, 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 at the end of the day, we desperately need God to help us through the trial. And so therefore, we must at this moment begin to realize, okay, I've stepped out of the blessing of God and I'm having to really turn around and go the opposite direction. So how do you know if you're walking in pride? You know, it's important for us to look at this because the word says, as I said earlier, pride comes before the fall. So what are the signs that we're to look for to determine if we're walking in pride? Because Pride originated even before the fall. Pride originated with Satan. Why? Because he wanted to be like God. He wanted to exalt himself and be like God. So let's look at this. Turn with me to Isaiah 14, verse 12. Isaiah 14, 12. I want you to look at this. Isaiah 14, 12. How have you fallen? This is God speaking of Satan. How have you, how, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn? You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Do you see a common thread in that passage? I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne. I, I, I. You know, when we are approaching life with an attitude of, I got this thing. I, I can handle this relationship. I know what to do. I can work through this situation with, at work with no one's help. I know what's best and really you don't. I will just have to press through this just to get things done. I know what it takes to be successful in life. I am self-sufficient. When we find ourselves having an attitude of, I will, I can, I know, 
we are on a slippery slope of getting indicators that potentially we are walking in pride. We are beginning to understand that there is something of a self-effort going on that is contrary to what God is wanting to do in our own lives. But the better alternative is to walk in humility and to have the grace of God resting upon your life. Grace is amazing because grace is the empowerment to do something. Grace empowers you to succeed. Grace empowers you to walk through very difficult situations. Paul says, by the grace given to me, I'm able to preach the gospel. He knew that it was the grace of God upon his life that he was able to minister the gospel in all the world. It is only through grace And then Jesus said to Paul, when Paul was saying, when there was a thorn in his flesh, he said, God, please remove this from my life. And Jesus said this to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So in the posture of humility, recognizing that truly we are weak in the flesh, we have an opportunity to allow God's power to be demonstrated through our lives as we humbly walk before the Lord and as we humble ourselves even towards one another. Do we walk in humility with those around us, with our neighbors? I, I would like to say yesterday as I was preparing for this, as I was getting ready to, you know, talk on being humble towards each other. Uh, I, I got a, a notice. Someone in our family said, you know, the, our neighbor is at, at the house here and, and he wants to talk with you, Dad. So I said, okay, okay. So I'll walk on outside and, and, um, and I sat there and talked with my neighbor and he was mentioning, you know, we got this big dog that, that likes to roam the neighborhood and, you know, we were taking care of the dog because he had a, a slip, his hip, dislocated. So, you know, we were taking care of the dog. We had water out for the dog. Well, he didn't really like the dog, but it's okay. I mean, we were liking the dog and loving this dog. And then he proceeded to tell me that I was to stop doing something on my own land. And in my backyard, he was instructing me what I was doing was causing a real problem with the irrigation. And Oh, I wish at that moment I would have gone back to my text and said, now be humble towards others. I, my back started bowing. I started, you know, getting, I felt, you know, just the blood starting to come up to my neck. And, and I have to say, I wish I could redo that moment. I did not handle it as well as I should have. I plan to have a second chance because I want to be a blessing to my neighbor. I don't want to be a thorn in his flesh. But I thought, you know, he had a lot of nerve to come in my yard and tell me I couldn't do something in my own property. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'm like, oh my goodness. Here I am, wanting to talk on humility. So um, so I'm still working process. (laughs) I am being humbled by my 
Um, well, weakness. So, but when we read verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. As we humble ourselves in God's presence, he lifts us out of the trial as we leave the timing of it in his hands. And I have to admit that waiting on God in his timing to lift something can be very challenging. Because a part of me, you know, just wants to, to step in and rescue the moment, try to fix everything, and just let's, let's just get it over with so I can get on with life. But in that, human effort always leaves us with the trial eventually coming back up down the road. Because when God sets you free from a trial, it is finished, it is done. But when we try to resolve it in our own human effort, we will eventually see it down the road again. And verse seven says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is literally saying, throw the whole load of anxiety onto him and leave it there. This is where we have to trust the Lord with the weight of, of the things that we're carrying. We're having to throw it all on the Lord and leave it right at his feet and not pick it back up as though we can help God a little bit. So if we're continuing in anxiety in our own personal lives, somehow we are continuing to pick up the load that we're to be leaving at the feet of Christ. We're picking it back up and we're carrying the load ourselves and we're not trusting the Lord in the timing of the trial to come to an end. But the second thing I want to look at is how we prepare our hearts for the trial. So first I said, how we're to posture our hearts, but now I want to look at how we prepare our hearts for trials. It says, verse 8, Be of sober, sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be of sober spirit. What that can actually mean, if we could say that another way, it literally means to be well-balanced and alert. Well-balanced and alert. We are to be well-balanced in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. When anxiety is in the heart of a man over an extended period of time, you know what begins to happen? Is that our life gets out of balance. We're not tending to our spirit man in his word. We're not renewing our mind and talking over the promises of God and allowing our spirit man to be strengthened. When we allow anxiety to be in our lives over an extended period of time, it allows discouragement and depression to enter into our lives. Our soul is tending with, with judgments, is tending with, with anger, with any unforgiveness. 
We got to make sure that our spirit man is strong, our soul, the weeds are not growing in our soul, and we got to make sure that we're taking care of our body too. I'm so encouraged by Brian. Brian does his post on Instagram, day 54, and he's working out. I mean, the guy is like a working out machine. I mean, but he's taking care of his body. But the truth is, we all need to be taking care of our body. We all need to be working out. We don't need our bodies to be just limping along because, well, we just don't want to give time to it. It's not a priority. We need to prioritize our spirit, soul, and body be all well-balanced. Why? Because the enemy can sense when you are off-balance. Like a lion senses water buffalo in Africa, a herd of 100 that are running by, it can sense that one that is weak, that is feeble, that is lame. It can sense that one that is not just right. It can sense that one, ooh, that one's getting isolated. And the, the lion targets the one that is out of balance. Your, when your spiritual life is out of balance, I don't know how the enemy picks it up, but he sees it and he recognizes it. And that's the one he's looking for. He's roaming about looking for that one who's gotten imbalanced in their own life. So the implication in this text here is that if we do not bring our worries, anxieties, and cares to God, the devil will use depression and discouragement through anxiety to try to devour you. This is what it's leading to. And thirdly, I want to talk about how we respond to trials. Verse 9, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Faith is the key that enables us to walk through every single trial that we are facing. Faith really believes this, God does care for me. He cares for me, he's for me, and he wants to help me. Faith believes that what God has said, he will accomplish in my life. Faith believes what the enemy has, has brought into my life, evil, God is going to turn it around for good. Faith believes that when the enemy's coming in like a flood, God is going to raise up a standard in my life and protect me. Faith believes that, that, that the weapons of our warfare are mighty and not carnal. Faith believes that no harm will come to me. Faith has got to arise in our hearts to believe that the trial that we are in is going to come to an end because God loves me, because he cares for me, and this is not to be a trial that's to last forever and ever. Faith has got to arise in our hearts. So I just want to recap how we position ourselves for trials. First is that we're to continually walk humbly before each other and before our God. Humility is to be the essence of our hearts as we walk at our life before the Lord. Knowing that God gives grace, extends grace 
to the humble, which is a supernatural enabling power to walk through every single trial. Secondly, how we prepare our hearts by living a well-balanced life, spiritually, mentally, and physically, is vitally important in always being alert of the devil's ways. And lastly, we are to resist the trials in faith, not shrinking back in fear, but declaring his word over our lives that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But all of this has been set in his word as a roadmap for you and I. It helps us to know how to navigate through trials and not just grit our teeth and just can't wait for it to get over with. God is saying, I got your back. Just humbly walk with me. Cast it all on me. Trust me with it. Resist the devil. He will flee. Stand in your faith and know that I am going to come through for you. To me, this is so encouraging. Because you know what? At the end of the day, each of us are held accountable to the Lord for our actions, for our deeds, and for what we say. And how we walk out our lives on this earth is paramount for that one day in which we see the Lord in the glory. And we face him and we look into his eyes and we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to your good pleasure. You know, Paul was able to say something that was so paramount. He said, I fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've received the prize. Of the, of the crown of life. This life that we live in is a struggle, is a fight, but it's a good fight. And the Lord's going to show us all the way through it to the end that none of us are going to be tripped up. So in some ways, how we look out after each and every one here, we respond to each other in humility. We're covering each other's back. You know, when soldiers fight in battle, Roman soldiers would wear armor in their whole body, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. They would shot their feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. They'd take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. But you know what? There's one piece on their body that is missing. And that's covering their back. And we really need each other. So when we fight with each other, we fight back to back. We fight back to back because we're watching out after each other. We're able to defend one another. We're to recognize that none of us have arrived and we all need help one another. So let's go to battle together. Who's got your back? Is there someone here in this room that's got your back? Because we desperately need each other, right?
Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.